New tonight, the first Trump co-defendant in the Fulton County election interference call makes a deal. Scott Hall, a bail bondsman in Georgia, pleading guilty to five counts. Now, Hall was accused of conspiring to commit election fraud in connection with a breach of voting systems at the Coffee County Election Office. He was captured on surveillance video in the office the same day of the breach. As part of the deal, Hall has agreed to testify in future proceedings and trials in the Fulton County case. So th- th- this is very significant. I mean, it's the first. The question is, is it the first of many? We're learning that plea deals could also soon be offered to two other key co-defendants, the former Trump campaign lawyer Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbro, the alleged architect of the fake elector plot to overturn the election. If either one of them did that, 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 that is extremely significant, obviously, uh, with their, their knowledge of Trump himself and what he did and knew. Caitlin Polance is out front. And so, Caitlin, you've been doing a lot of reporting on this. What could these plea offers mean for Trump? Well, Aaron, it's never a good thing whenever your co-defendants in a case decide to plead guilty and pledge to testify if called, just like Scott Hall did today in Fulton County, Georgia. And what it means really when you step back and look at a case like this is it means prosecutors get more evidence. They get more witnesses. They get the additional witness of Scott Hall to testify. And if others take plea deals that are offered to them, they also may be willing to testify and they may be people inside understanding what was happening in the Trump campaign, in other circles uh, um, around Donald Trump and the Republican Party in Georgia after the election. And, you know, this would be substantial, not just for the trial of Donald Trump and the others that is going to be at a later date in Fulton County, Georgia. It also is very likely that Scott Hall could be called or will be lined up as a witness in that pending trial at the end of October against Sidney Powell and Ken Chesbro. And so they're going to have to make decisions, too. Do they want to go to trial? Of course, there are going to be lots of plea offers. It's very likely others will take pleas. And all of these people are very likely to have connective tissue, not just with what they're admitting to publicly, that they could provide investigators and as a trial witness. Erin? All right. Caitlin, thank you very much. And out front now, the former New Jersey governor and Republican presidential candidate for 2024, Chris Christie. And, Governor, I appreciate your time. So you are a former prosecutor, obviously. The first co-defendant makes a deal with prosecutors in Fulton County. Do you think this is just the beginning? I mean, we've got Sidney Powell and Kenneth Chesbro, the alleged architect of the fake elector plot, uh, supposedly, you know, about to, those trials about to begin. Um, what happens here? Yeah, look, I think it is just the beginning, Aaron. I think one of the things, one of the decisions you make as a prosecutor when you have such a big case, um, 19 uh, different individuals being charged in the same matter, is you are convinced going into that that a majority of those are going to plead. Because if you weren't, you would break it up into smaller cases. Um, and so I think that you know what the DA probably was convinced of was that she would get a number of pleas out of this and that also the volume of the of the number of people indicted uh, puts pressure on them as well. And the legal fee pressure will be enormous uh, in, in addition to that. So when you add to it the facts of the case, the number of co-defendants, um, and the amount of legal fees, um, and the pressure that the DA will be putting on them, um, you're going to see, I, I think this is just the first of probably at least half, is my guess, of those people will plead. At least half. So how significant would that be? I mean, how damning could it potentially be for Trump if you have that many? I mean, obviously it depends sort of who they are, but how damning could it be? Yeah. It depends on who they are. But look, if if he gets some folks who were providing legal representation and advice to him um, to become cooperating 
uh, a, a plea deal against him, um, that's going to be a big problem for him uh, because those folks will have admitted to have committed a crime themselves. And now they'll be talking about the elements of that crime and, the, and uh, Donald Trump's uh, involvement in it um, in courtroom uh, under oath. So, you know, Aaron, I think it could be a real problem for the president, former president, but that's going to be based on um, exactly who it is. So you're right. Um, this guy today, I doubt he had any direct or any involvement at all with Donald Trump. But as we move to different uh, co-defendants here, Mark Meadows, you mentioned Sidney Powell and Ken Chesbro, and there are others um, that have should have intimate knowledge of what went on and very intimate knowledge of what the president's involvement was. So uh, you're obviously in New Hampshire tonight, uh, coming from California, uh, where you were for the last debate. And Donald Trump is now calling on the RNC to do away with all future debates. And he writes in part, uh, Governor, I'm up 56 points, so the debates would seem to be a complete waste of time. The debate should be ended bad for the Republican Party. Now, obviously, Governor, I, I know you don't agree. The debates matter to you and everyone else on the stage. But the math, of course, the reality is that all of you on that stage collectively in California are polling at less nationally than Donald Trump is alone. Does he have a point? No, he has no point because, first off, Aaron, look, I know that, that everybody out there, all the media organizations pay for these <clears throat> national polls, and they are a monumental waste of time and money. We don't have a national primary. So if you look at what his numbers are in New Hampshire, and you look at his numbers are in Iowa, in New Hampshire, he's consistently under 40%. He's been in the low 30s to the high 30s. And in, and in Iowa, he has been in the high 30s to the low 40s, which means that in both of those two early important states, more Republican voters want another choice than they want Donald Trump. He wants to end these things for purely selfish reasons because he doesn't want to give exposure to the candidates who are challenging him out there. <laughs> now, look, on the stage Wednesday night, um, you know, I was one of the only people who did challenge him directly. Ron DeSantis kind of sideswiped him once. Nobody else goes near him, and that's been kind of typical of the campaign. I don't understand what they're doing because if you want to beat him, you got to go beat him. But no, he has no validity to the point he's making. He's ducking these debates. Uh, and, it's, uh, and it's wrong. It's disrespectful to Republican voters. And that's why I'm going to continue to push um, for these debates to go forward. And from talking to um, the folks at the RNC after the last debate, we were talking about the next one in Miami. And I think they'll just ignore um, what's obviously self-serving bad advice from right. Donald Trump. So it's interesting. Okay, you make a fair point about national polls. We don't have a national primary. It is state by state. But let's just take New Hampshire, where you are now, because you brought that one up specifically. The state's governor, Chris Sununu, wants Trump to lose, right? He's been very clear about that. But he says that Ron DeSantis or <clears throat> Nikki Haley are the ones who have the best chance to beat Trump. Here is Governor Sununu. Right now, it would be DeSantis or Nikki Haley, without a doubt. I mean, they're, they're really driving forward. Uh, Chris Christie's doing very well. I think that one of the issues with Chris's campaign is, you know, there's not a lot of ground game in some of these other states. So he has to figure out, okay, even if he does well in New Hampshire, how does he get from here to there uh, with the victory? So what do you say to him? I guess there's points about DeSantis and Nikki Haley, but also the crucial question he raises at the end. How do you get from here to there, Governor? Well, we do have an operation in South Carolina, and 
Chris isn't aware of that, but he's the governor of New Hampshire, um, so I don't expect him to. What I think is, uh, what I heard him say there was um, that I'm doing very well in New Hampshire also. And all the polls basically have me, DeSantis, and Haley within margin of error of each other. I've been in second, I've been in third, I've been in fourth in polls that have just come out in the last couple of weeks. So it's a battle up there. Um, and, and I believe that we're going to be able to pull that together and we're going to be able to, uh, to really go against Donald Trump in New Hampshire and beat him. And that's what I intend to do, Aaron. So, um, you know, I, I have regular conversations with Governor Sununu. Um, he's been very encouraging, as he was in that clip. Um, he, he said exactly what's accurate, which is me, Haley, and DeSantis are the only people who are polling anywhere near um, a competitive level. And I intend, in, intend to be able to do even better as we go forward. I'm in Keene, New Hampshire, as we speak. And um, I'm going to be going out and doing a town hall out here tonight. All right. Well, Governor, thank you very much. I appreciate your time tonight. Aaron, thanks for having me on. Have a good weekend.